Welcome back, everyone, to Honest Questions. This is John. And I'm Virginia. Uh, we're going to be doing things a little differently this week. Um, Ooh. <laughs> after taking uh, a week off to kind of have a little mental health break with everything going on in the world, um, we just needed a little bit of a step away from everything. So, But we are back, and evidently we have a new format or well, something. just for this episode, we're going to switch things up a little bit. So, um, you know, usually we do a few question prompts and we typically have like kind of a rough idea of each other's questions the week before. Um, this we're doing a little differently cause I kind of took this one on and you have no idea what I'm about to ask you. Mm-mm. So I, I, have um, no idea. I took a cue from Tig Notaro. She has a podcast and hers is called, uh, don't ask Tig where basically people write in and call in and ask her questions and her guest questions, like an advice column show. Um, and one of the segments on her show is that she pulls a an advice column from a very <laughs> old publication mm-hmm. and then asks her, she and her guest try to come up with an answer. And then they compare it to the answer that was given. And a lot of times it's a very stark contrast. So um, we're not quite doing that, but I pulled some advice columns from current publications. And I figured I would pose to you these questions and see what your response might be. Oh, boy. I know. Um, Because I don't know if you're an advice giver now that I think about it. I I don't think I am an advice giver. I don't even take my own advice. (laughs) You can't Um, be trusted. No. I mean, but I think I, I think I have the capability for giving good advice. And what constitutes good advice? Um, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. I think we'll find out <laughs> if I do, in fact, give good advice through the course of this. Um, but I'm ready. I'm ready to dig in. I'm ready to hear some questions. I'm ready to give some advice. Um, this is gonna be this is gonna be life altering. I think because I historically, <laughs> I historically have give terrible advice because I am an an enabler, and so I always tell people, don't come to me because I'm going to tell you. Whatever I think it is that you want to do, I'm just going to reinforce that. So if you come to me and you say, you know, I want to drunk dial my ex, not you, because we're married and that would be weird. But if you're my friend and you're like, I want to drunk dial my ex, I'd be like, you should totally do that. Yeah. That's, a, that's yeah, the best the idea ever. that people call when they need someone to push them over mm-hmm. the edge into a bad decision. Like, you know what you want to do. <laughs> I'm just going to be here to reinforce it. And if you turn on a dime... I will be the first one to be like, oh, yeah, you totally shouldn't do that now. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just here to support whatever it is that you want to do. So I'm a terrible advice giver. Yeah. I think, I again, I think I have the capability for giving good advice. I know the right thing to do, but, you know, nine times out of ten, I don't think I choose the right path, knowing right. that I'm not choosing the right path. So... All right, let's do this. All right, we're doing let's it. Let's do it. Okay, so the first one is from the Washington Post. There's a columnist, uh, advice columnist. Her name is Carolyn Hacks. So this column was printed last week, but it's actually from 2006. But I don't think it's so dated that it matters. Dear Carolyn, how do you know when you're ready to have a baby? I'm 28. He's 29. We've been happily married for over five years. We own a home and we have good, secure jobs that we've been in for several years now. 
I'm willing to stay home with the baby at least for a year or so, and we're financially secure enough that I can be a stay-at-home mom for as long as I want to be. It seems as if everything that should be in place is there. So should I be waiting for a lightning bolt, uh, for some sort of earth-shaking epiphany, or is this as ready as anyone ever gets? Signed, thinking of throwing out my birth control pills. All right. So here's here's a couple of things that come to mind. I have a lot of advice on this one. Mm-hmm. So number one, if you've taken the time to write an advice columnist as to whether or not you should have a kid, then I think you're having reservations about whether or not you should have a kid. <laughs> so all the things she listed, I think, are great, right? You know, they're together uh, five years. They're financially stable. But that doesn't answer the question mm-hmm. at all, does it? In my, my mind. I mean... She didn't even, I feel like the number one question she should have ticked off is like, do my husband or do my partner and I want to have a baby? Like she didn't say that at all, which I feel like before any of that other stuff, you really, that's kind of the the ground floor. It it sounds like to me, she's applying for a mortgage. You know, (laughs) we've been together for five years. We're financially stable. That's all great. You know, I'm sure that a mortgage company would love to know that. Mm -hmm. And listen, this comes from a guy that I wasn't always sure that I wanted to have kids. I didn't know. You know, it wasn't something that was always on my mind. Um, But, you know, the older you get, you sort of start thinking about it. Um, And then I think you just know. I think you get to a point where you decide that it's the right time to have kids. Now, you have obviously a partner. There's someone in this situation that needs to be involved for the most part, obviously, there's situations with adoption and, and other things where you can make the, the decision on your own. But, you know, typically you have to clue someone in. But, yeah, I, I'm going to go with, no, these two should not have a kid. Uh, right well, out of, you know. How about, okay, so let's assume this person mm-hmm. and their partner want to have a kid. Let's assume that. Mm-hmm. They didn't say it, but let's assume it. And all of these other things are in place. Great job, house, yada yada. Mm-hmm. Do you th- so you think it's like a gut feeling? You just either know or you don't. So you're saying like epiphany. I, I guess it's yeah, and maybe I'm looking at it a little bit differently. Because she's I'm wondering, is it time to have a kid? So I guess do we presuppose that they're already they want kids, both of them? I mean, let's assume that for the point of this discussion. Yeah, I, I don't know. I remember being 28. I was not in a position to have a kid, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the part I'm struggling with is that, uh, including us, so many people, I feel like, are the opposite of these two, where they they know they want to have a kid, or at least they feel they want to have a kid, and they are waiting for all of these other things to align because it's so hard (laughs) to, I mean... Make sure you are financially secure. Make sure you're in a secure relationship. All of those things, I feel like, are much harder to come by than answering the question of yes, no, maybe so. Yeah, I mean, looks like financially and everything else, they're ready to have a kid, so have a kid. But I have a lot of questions. I mean, you get married. They obviously got married when they were, like, 22. So they probably met when they were, what, like, 19? Oh, boy. That's a whole lifetime, man. That's a whole other thing, Yeah. yeah. It's like... Yeah. So I think these two are trying to fill a void because they miss their childhood themselves. So they're trying to have a kid. Well, I think it might be much more. 
complicated than that. I think a lot of times people feel like they're supposed to have kids when they're married. Yeah. They have all these things. Mm-hmm. They've done all the things. Quote, and I'm putting air quotes. You can't see everybody. But like they've done all the things right. And now they're expected to have kids. And I think a lot of people are afraid to just say, like, no, I don't want, I don't want that. I just, we like the two of us and we want to live our happily stable financial lives. And, and, you know, they don't like, that's a hard thing for some people to say, because there's a lot of judgment and, you know, constant whatever. But I feel like we're putting a lot on this person. Well, they wrote into an advice columnist. Oh my gosh. Yes, of course they did. You know what? Uh, yeah, we wouldn't have this episode if people didn't write into that's fair. advice column. That's fair, but I'm still gonna I'm gonna <laughs> reserve some judgment. All right, so I'm gonna tell you what Carolyn answered. Okay. Okay. So let's see how we measured up. I'm sure her advice is much more measured, <laughs> less judgmental. But sure. I mean, she had the the ability to write it and edit it, so maybe it was super judgy the first time she wrote it, and then she took a step back. Yeah, like that email you write, and then you backspace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't right. hit send. Let's see what uh, Carolyn has to say. All right, so that's as ready as anyone gets on paper, which is perfect for a paper baby. To be ready for the real thing, it's harder to say what it takes. Oh, that was snarky. <laughs> <laughs> paper, paper baby. Who's, who's having a paper baby? That's awful. Um, to be ready for the real thing, it's harder to say what it takes. Children introduced so many variables that the notions you bring to parenthood rarely, if ever, seem to survive the process intact. In fact, if I could do it without diminishing the importance of at least stable finances, I'd argue that humility belongs higher on your checklist than a flush bank account. There is, there is, however, one omission from your list that I would call glaring, love. Not that you don't have it, just that you don't specifically mention it. When ideally your home in its existing condition is spilling over with so much love that you need a whole other being around to absorb it. I mean, love, I mean, love for life and for each other, but obviously you should both love children too, even if given your childlessness, that feeling is still vague and untested. Animals or causes or needy fellow adults are so honor are also honorable, legitimate, even heroic places to channel spillover love. I'll repeat this till I'm blue. If nothing else, make sure you would be grateful to have the parents you're about to become. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay, Carolyn. She pretty much said what we said, but in a much nicer way. <laughs> with the benefit. Although of- she came right out of the gate with Paper Baby, which was awesome. But basically she said, yeah, great, man. Y'all are applying for a mortgage, but... Yeah. At the end of the day. She said that in a much nicer way than we did, but yeah. And I would add, you have to have patience. I mean... Patience is a requirement. I, Yeah, because you're going to lose it real quick when you have this baby that's not made out of paper. We have a, a lack of patience on a daily basis, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, you're always worried about the financial stuff. I mean, that's a given, but yeah the patience mm-hmm. and your head not exploding off of your shoulders every day mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's a requirement yeah I agree well that was good I'm impressed well done you do give good advice I do even if you're a little judgy it's fine yeah I mean people just need to know that coming in John's gonna be judgy yeah it's gonna hurt the advice <laughs> I'm gonna give you is gonna sting a you little might bit cry but you know we're holding a mirror up to you that's what's happening I'm not here to hold your hand. <laughs> I'm here to help you with your life decisions. All right, let's hear the next one. I'm, I'm excited. All right, you're on a roll. Okay, next one is from the New York Times. Um, it's a column called Social Cues by Philip uh, Galanis or Galanese. 
Yeah. Gallons. Yep, that sounds Sorry. right. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Philip. Um, okay. So this one's a little short. Look what I did. Last week, in a fit of pandemic boredom, I brought home a broken down antique chair that our neighbors had thrown away. I spent a few days in my workshop fixing it up. Now it looks great, and I'd like to give it, to, give it back to them. My wife thinks it would be weird. We don't know them. I could leave it on their porch anonymously or find another home for it if our neighbors don't want it. What do you think? Signed, David. Broken down trash chair. Yeah. No, it's it's weird. It's creepy. (laughs) You should not give it back to your neighbor. Yeah, that's my advice. It's weird. Totally agree. How annoyed would you be if you threw out a piece of furniture and then someone assumed that, that took it upon themselves to fix it and then hauled it back to your house after you thought the trash man took it? I think because I'm just cynical, so I would assume that some neighbor some asshole was like okay well they're throwing away their chair i'm gonna fix it and send them some sort of message and then put it back on their porch i just i don't my brain doesn't even work like that that i would see a broken piece of furniture and maybe this is just a sign of we're damaged humans oh can you we're definitely damaged humans i mean i think we can we can work off that assumption yeah i cannot imagine saying like haha i've got it i'm gonna give it back to them fixed no, absolutely not. Now, it's what, if you want to take the trash chair and fix it and then own the trash chair, good on you, but no. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, and the fact that he thought at any point that that was a good idea is just... It's baffling, right? Blows my mind. <laughs> and his wife is probably sitting there like, who did I marry? Who's a guy that picks up people's trash, repairs it, and then wants to give it back to them? But I think... Two, it's also probably, he's probably a very sweet, nice person who's like, you know what? Maybe they couldn't afford to fix this chair and I'm going to fix it for them. I mean, me, I create a whole storyline in my head where maybe they maybe they had someone over and they peed in the chair and now they're trying to get rid of it. Now you're going to fix their pee chair and return it to them. No, thank you, David. Yeah, I mean, that's just, no, no. <laughs> and, and being, you know, I, even if you have good intentions, it's still creepy. Right? Yeah. And especially because you. this is going to be your entree into meeting each other. Like, and then all of a sudden the neighbors are going to talk and they're going to be like, Bill likes to take your trash and revitalize it and <laughs> give it back to you. And so, you know, on trash day, you're looking at Bill's door. Is he going to come out and take my stuff yeah. and try to, you know. No, I feel like why no, don't you no. take the chair, fix it, refurb it, and then sell it. Maybe that's your side hustle. Better yet, why don't you just get a different hobby than fixing people's <laughs> trash, you know? I mean, I think that's fair. I'm glad that we're on the same page. Read a book. I'm glad you weren't. Read a like, book, dude. You weren't like, you know what? That's that's really nice. I would love it if somebody took a chair and fixed it for me. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would want the guy. I would want the trash man to pick it up and haul it to the dump like I intended it. Also, plus, here's another thing. Why is the guy rooting around in my trash? <laughs> and and get out of my trash, dude. You know why? Also, it would never work because we, if we were the recipients, let's say we threw out the chair. And David fixed it and brought it back to us. I never answered the. We never answered the door for people we don't know. Like unless we're expecting you, that door no, is not. Unless you being have DoorDash on your car or Amazon. Even yeah, then, we're not answering I'm waiting until you leave. You That's knock true. and leave. I ne- We never. I don't care if you're wearing a. Um, you're a man of the cloth. I don't care if you're Ed McMahon with the check. 
I don't care. I'd be shocked if it was Ed McMahon. <laughs> we are not not, we, I don't open the door. Not in a pandemic, not before a pandemic, to be honest. No, thank you. I might peek out of window and just glare at you a little bit. That's the best I'm doing. Yeah, I mean, frankly, at this point, Bill's lucky he's not getting picked up by the cops. <laughs> David, David. David, whatever his name is. All right, so do you want to know what Philip, the, um, the columnist? Yeah, I, I'm, yes. Okay, this one's a short answer, too. I love your idea, David. No, he doesn't. And, he doesn't love that idea. And I love your idea, David. And not just because I've knitted two million pandemic hats that I foisted on nearly everyone I know. All right, we're already going to discount this columnist's <laughs> uh, advice. Mm-mm. Your gesture seems neighborly and kind. Oh, God. And what a nice way to meet people who live on your street! Exclamation <laughs> point. Who? Philip. Philip. This is. No, no. Also, where are you? New York Times columnist, don't you live in New York City? No, even more reason you don't want to meet people on your street. Yeah, no. especially someone that's, that's rummaging through your trash on New York in New York Street. You yeah. don't know. Oh, God. Okay. Um, put on a mask and bring the chair to their door. Introduce yourself and thank them for giving you a pandemic project. Then tell them that you'd like to give them the refurbished chair. But if they don't want it... You'll be happy to take it away. Kindness is always welcome, especially in times like these. That's a conversation I don't ever want to have with anybody, holding my refurbished trash in their hand. Yeah, because now you've put them in a position to have to be like, I don't, I don't want, no. No, and you take know what? Take that chair away. People are going to be having dinner parties talking about you and saying, yeah, yeah, that's the dude that brought the trash over that he had fixed. Trash chair. Yeah. That's trash chair David. So, you know what? I reject that advice. <laughs> I don't like it. And I don't know why that guy and has you, a job. You know, we, don't have to, we don't have to put a nice spin on everything. You know my philosophy on kindness. I believe in kindness. I believe in being kind. But sometimes I believe the kind thing to do is leave people the hell alone. Yeah. Like, truly. This this Philip guy and Dave. Wow, you're really harsh on Philip. I wasn't taking it out on Philip. Nah, yeah, you got to take it. I, it Philip has assumed some responsibility for this horrible advice. Oh, gosh. All right. Well, right. that was clearly the wrong advice that Philip gave. I mean, I think it's a, a miss. Mm-hmm. A miss. I mean, in this day and age with... I mean, don't people watch, like, murder shows and listen to murder podcasts? Like, you know, all of a sudden you're delivering a, a chair and you're film at 11 talking about you, you know... David was always a nice guy. What's that? Who's that guy from that show, Dateline or whatever? Like David Chris, was, Chris or whatever. Yeah, yeah, David was always a nice guy, and he always, you know, did little projects for people. And then one day he dropped a chair off at the wrong home, and ee, ee, ee. Yeah, they, they would do like a backstory on on Dave, and they'd be like, Dave used to take people's trash and repair it and take it to him. And then people in the back of their mind would be like, people There's snapped. a there's a story <laughs> about Dave that we are missing here. There's a piece of this puzzle that we are not seeing. <laughs> Dave is creepy. I don't think I think David is nice, like old school nice. And there's just we're in new school. Can't see, but I'm shaking my head now. <laughs> now. We are just two jaded, n- not nice people. I think. All right, so uh, last one. Now I picked one from a teen magazine because I thought, who better to give advice to teenagers than you and I? Yeah. Middle-aged man and his wife. <laughs> Middle-aged? What? 
All right, we, this is, we don't have time for this on this show, but we no. had a raging debate in this house about what is middle-aged. I can't middle-aged. be in my 30s and be middle-aged, okay? That's not what middle-aged means. Middle-aged doesn't mean the middle of your life. Middle-aged means something, and it typically means 50s to 60s. So, But see, how can you be middle-aged when you're 60? You're not going to live to be 120. That's not what middle-aged means. Well, then they need to change the label because it doesn't make any sense. Look, there's a lot of words whose origins are different than what it, it means the middle of a hundred years. Okay. All right. So yes. Anywho, I feel like we are. Yeah. These, this advice columns yeah. have really just, yeah. We, we're at each other's throats. It has put a wedge between All right, us, let's man. Ta- let's take a breather. Like let's take a break. All right. Let's find the Zen. All right. All, All right. right. All right. We're back. Okay. So this is from a column in Teen Vogue. It is a column called Down to Find Out. It's in that teen lingo. Um, and it's by Nona Willis Aronowitz. She's the columnist. Okay. So this is the question. I used to have a crush on my best friend, not anymore. And I told him and it went a bit wrong. Since then, I've been afraid of telling my crushes that I like them. But there's this guy in my class who is the nicest guy I have ever met. He's the only guy who holds the door when he sees me come, and that's just one of the little things that make me like him. Anyway, I really want to get closer to him, possibly date him, question mark, but I really don't know how to approach the situation. Signed, Marta16. So how, what, how do you think you should, how, when, tell a crush that you like them? Channel your 16-year-old self. Um. Not now. You would just blurt it out to somebody and be like, I don't have time for this. <laughs> well, yeah, but I don't know if my advice is good because it, it, it involves some cloak and dagger sort of things. Okay. You know what I mean? Like you, you won't, you're not a straightforward, straight shooter. No, you got like to you your, put yourself in a position, okay. in a situation, if you will, where it is conducive to you having a conversation with this person. Um maybe sharing some time together that you wouldn't normally have like in a school setting. I think it's really tough. Mm. So I think they should um, maybe set up drinks at a bar. <laughs> okay. Or, or milk um, at a cafe. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah. You can't grease the wheels legally with alcohol in this one. No, I mean, I don't know. I don't, what do you? What do you think I would do? Well, I mean, what would I do? What would my advice be? Well, so this is from a young girl, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, presumably, uh-huh. I have no idea, but okay. I'm guessing her name. Their name is Marta, so we're gonna go with yes. So I mean, as a a boy, mm-hmm. um, at 16, mm-hmm. I have no idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this one to you. <laughs> I, I I actually feel a little uncomfortable with this question. I mean, I for me, I just never. I mean, look, I failed at being 16. I was a terrible teenager. I was terrible. I was all the things, but like... I don't think anyone's successful at 16. But I kind of feel like the way I feel in general about whether someone likes you or not, like, I feel like people put the vibe out. You either know, like, you either know someone likes you or you don't. Like, you know they like you or you can be sure they don't. Because people just aren't that mysterious, I think, generally. Like... No, and the fact that he's holding doors open for her, I mean, I think clearly he's reciprocating whatever feelings she's having. I mean, he's not a doorman mm-hmm. at the 
the Ritz Carlton in New York, you know? Yeah. And it seems like kind of an odd thing to do when you're 16. I don't so, know, though. Maybe he was just raised that way, though. Or maybe, maybe. she's just reading the signs just yeah. all wrong. Because I'm thinking this as a father of a 16-year-old girl, mm-hmm. and I'm, my answer to her question is, no, you never tell a crush that you like them. <laughs> well, You're going to go well, through high school. that's a terrible idea. I don't know if that... No, I don't think it is. I mean, I feel I feel like <laughs> you... I feel like the the good advice would be to have just a very honest, easy conversation with someone. Hey, do you want to go out? Do you want to go to a movie? But at 16, that's never an easy yeah, conversation. No, that's I, why I think you always need to put yourself in, in a situation where it's comfortable for both mm-hmm. of you. Um, I don't know. F- figure out what his interests are. Does he like to go watch basketball games for the high school basketball games? Yeah. Put yourself in a position where... You may run into him, and but that seems a little like nefarious. Like, I, but I don't yeah. think it is. I think I think when you're 16, it's tough to have those conversations. But then I also feel like put yourself in this other person's, this boy's position, and say you don't like this girl, mm-hmm. and then she just starts popping up places. Like, then you're <laughs> the girl that keeps popping up places. I mean, don't be creepy about it. Don't be like Dave. <laughs> The trash furniture maker, you know? Like, I don't think she should repair his trash and then drop it off on his porch and be like, would you like to go out on Friday night? Yeah. But, you know, I, yeah, I think it, <laughs> there's a, there's not even a fine line between stalking and just kind of showing up at the basketball game that he's at. Yeah. Now, if she's driving by his house during the day, yeah, you know what? She's probably, uh, this is probably becoming an obsession. But I don't think there's anything I, wrong with, like, putting yourself in a position where, you can have some time with this person that's in a, you know, a little bit more of a comfort. I mean, I think if you could do it subtly, but like, you got to be reading cues, social and people cues. Right. And you think she should just go up to him and talk to him? I mean, no, she'll do what I did and just die with your secret and never tell anyone. Like, I, I just always relied on people. I just knew when I knew. And yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to make a prediction here. I think this advice columnist is going to give advice that a 30 year old woman would give a teenager and it's yeah. not going to be helpful because well, it never is. See, that's what see. My thought is like the good advice would be to have the straightforward conversation, right? Like mm-hmm. belly up to the bar and just be like, hey, I like you, which is something I feel like in my 30s, if I wasn't married, that's what I would do because What's the worst that's going right. to happen? The person can be like, no, I'm not interested. But when you're 16, that is a world crusher. Right. And you go up to this boy and you're like, hi, you know, I'm kind of a crush on you. Would you like to go uh, out Friday night and watch a movie? And he's like, no, nah, dude, I opened the door for you and all your friends the other day. You think that's. Well, yeah. And I think also like now you're stuck still with that person at school mm-hmm. in the same peer group. Yeah, there's no escape. And like, let's be honest, when stuff like that happens, No one keeps their mouth shut. So now everyone's going to know. And I feel like, yeah, that's just a big difference. And even now, if you express a crush to someone in your friend group, you can just be like, well, peace out. I'm not hanging out with you guys anymore because I'm a grown ass human and I don't have to. I'm not mandated to be in this building. Yeah. Landmines that are being a 16 year old kid. I I don't know. I, I still stand behind my advice. Which is she should just plant herself wherever he is. <laughs> Behind a bush. Yeah. Like, and just hey. find an opportunity to talk to him. Um, and then talk to her friends to gauge whether or not he truly likes her. Because you clearly are not a very good barometer for seeing whether or not other people are into you. So I'm going to tell her to go down the typical 16-year-old girl path. But it's probably just going to lead to disaster. 
I feel like I can't, and it's hard too, because I feel like we're just so far removed from 16-year-olds now. I have no idea what is common behavior Yeah, what now. Do we, I mean, we sent notes, you know, you just check the box that says yes or no. You did that when you were 16? You didn't? Was that, no. was that late? I, th- I did that into like college, I think. Yeah. Stop. I did. Stop. <laughs> no, but I mean, I, I mean, as rudimentary as that is, it's an effective means of communication. I guess. I guess. Here's, I don't know the answer to this one. I don't think wow. I have good advice for her. I mean, I will say to the beginning thing where she said she expressed a crush once and got rejected and now she's afraid to tell anyone else. Like, you got to get over that hurdle. You're going to face a lot of rejection. I don't care who you are. Like, dating rejection, mm. crush rejection. And, like, you just got to play the numbers game, I feel like. So, so. The numbers game. So, like, you know, you know, maybe you'll get, you'll express five crushes to five people. I mean, you're probably going to get at least bag one of those people at some yeah. point. But if you never say anything, what is it? You ne- you. You miss, what is that expression where it's like you... Yeah, you miss 100% of shots stuff you, don't you never take, take or whatever. Yeah. It's just <laughs> That's... horrible advice. Oh, God. Well, I want to know what she did the first time when she told her crush that she liked him and then got shut down. And then, honestly, I'd like to hear what her thoughts are and then, you know, shoot those down. Oh. <laughs> no, but, I mean, just see what she's thinking. I think I don't she's know. thinking what I would do, which is to say... Nothing. Suffer in silence. And that's a terrible way to live your life. There you go, Clara. Clara. <laughs> um, There's your advice. All right, Marta. All right, you want to hear what the answer is? I do. Okay. Oh, God. This is like a whole... Oh, wow. I did not read ahead to how long this is. Um, Can you give us the highlights? Okay. Well, see, the girl's 16. You've already lost her if you're writing three pages of I advice. Think maybe that's the whole point. This is like a deep dive. Oh. Um, I got multiple questions this month month about classic dating dilemma, uh, blah, blah. Really, that broader question has two steps to it. How do you approach a person who you want to get closer to and get to know better? And then once you know you like them, how do you signal your romantic interests without being creepy or totally embarrassing yourself. I mean, that's a good point. Like, how does she know she likes this person? Because they opened the door? Like, man, if I fell in love with everybody opened a door for me, I don't know. I don't know. High school's pretty superficial, though. I mean... I guess. Let's assume. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt that they've had conversations, at least briefly. Right. And he's a nice guy. Sure. Okay. Um... Learn more about the object of your affection. Um, blah, blah, blah. Major mistake of my teen years was um, nurturing a crush from afar based on physical attributes, only to find out much later that he had the personality of a paper plate. Um, all right, so make sure you talk to them, basically, and actually like get to know them and make sure you like them and not the idea of them. The most reliable way to do this is quite simply to ask your crush open-ended questions, blah, 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 after a few conversations. Um, I'm not going to lie and tell you that playing hard to get doesn't work at times, but it does sometimes. Let's say, though, that after all this quality time together, that this nice guy is just not taking the hint. So the first part of this, the columnist's advice is similar to yours, like kind of, be around them, make mm-hmm. yourself, avail yourself 
yeah. of them and talk and mm-hmm. get to know each other. Right. That's kind of yours, mm-hmm. but don't be creepy about it. Um, let's say, though, after all of this quality time together, this nice guy is just not taking the hint and you've been too bashful to say anything explicit. Do you come out and confess that you have feelings for him? Um, how do you move from innuendo to out in the open? I know it's a bummer to hear, but figuring out how to tell your crush you like them doesn't get much easier with age. I disagree with that. Um, it gets much easier with age. I feel like you would just be like, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, you're able to, your skin's thicker. You can deal with rejection a little bit more. For sure, it's different. Um, but as you learn the hard way, telling someone that you're into them is a bold-ass move. Um, it's a delicate dance. Wow. This, we're just dancing all around this. My view is that it's almost always worth it to express how you feel. By now you're aware of how much time I frittered away in my own head as a teen. Um, Before you told your best friend how you felt, you were probably analyzing every detail, feeling anxious and obsessed, uh, blah, blah, blah. Instead of the protracted, protracted torture, pick a quiet moment, announce your vulnerability, inform him that you feel a connection, and ask him if he feels the same. Mm -hmm. And then she writes a script. No, you know what? I don't think I like this advice column. This Momentary advice. humiliation is worth the deliciousness of a mutual acknowledged crush. Mm. Uh, then cry and feel... Uh, so it's a bummer if it doesn't work out and just feel crappy, but then get over it, basically. I feel like... here's. I feel like if you have to ask a crush, if your crush likes you, it's probably not going to be a good result. I, uh, These things happen organically, I man. They, they happen do. organically. And if there's a mutual interest and a mutual attraction, I think these things sort of happen if you eventually start spending time around each other, you know, not in a creepy way. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're spending time and you're having these moments, these exchanges of conversation, and if he's not taking the hint, as she said, I think he's taking the hint. He's, he's just not reciprocating yeah. on these emotions. So then you sit down. And you go, I like you. And he goes, oh, I just want to be friends. So, you know what? Mm-mm. Yeah. I don't, I'm not down yeah, with that advice. I don't know. I don't know. Because, like, so you're going the he's just not that into you route, right? Where it's like you need to And it to works just, both ways, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, like, what if you have two people who are just painfully shy, but even then, I feel like once you're around each other that many times... Yeah, that wall breaks down. Yeah. That wall breaks down after a while. So this idea that like you're hanging out all the time and, you know, you are... He's not reciprocating and then you have to just really ask him the question and drill down. You're just, you believe that's a no-go. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that. What I will say I appreciate is that this columnist writes a very lengthy response i do feel like when you are in that position as a teenager like you you want a lot of guidance so she offered a lot of actionable things this person could do if that is the route they want to take um but yeah i think i'm much more like an organic you know just uh, not to say it's just gonna work itself out i mean you gotta put some work and some effort into it to get to know this person but and I, and I appreciate her column, too, because, you know, teenagers need context with mm-hmm. things. And, and you can't just say in three lines what they should do. I mean, right. You know, as a teenager, it doesn't change much. Is that you, you know, you overthink all this stuff. Yeah. I don't know. That's a tough one. Well, um, 
Yeah. I'm much more the un- unrequited love kind of. Just go that. Just pain. Just channel that pain. Just lay on your into, bedroom floor, stare at the art. ceiling, and play, you know, Nirvana or something. Just channel into your art form, you know? It's like... Yeah. It's like you are either... What's that? It's There's like a TikTok, and it's like, were you somebody that people liked, you know, liked in high school, or are you funny now, or something like mm-hmm. that? Are you somebody that people had... That people found attractive in high school, or are you funny now? I forget how it goes, but yeah, that's basically like, just embrace it. Channel your inner pain, write it in your memoir. Well, that is, those are all the questions I pulled, but do you have any, do you have any, what's the best advice you ever got? Do you have any good advice I ever got? Have you ever gotten good advice, do you think? Or given stellar advice that you're like, yeah, I knocked that out of the park. Yeah, I mean, I've given person specific advice where I thought that their partner and them were not a good match. Yeah. I think that, and you've been like, They're stay like away. well in water. Yeah. Stay away. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's good. Yeah. Do they follow this advice? No, they never yeah, Nobody do. ever follows advice. No, not when it comes to like, yeah. they, they look for people like me who are like, you should totally date your ex. They're great. You yeah. guys are great together. So much love. After do three it. phone calls, they call Virginia and they go, hey, what should we do? And she's like, just follow your heart. And yeah. Like, what is your heart saying? Like, I'm going to call this guy. And you're like, that's a great you idea. totally do it. Is it 3 a.m.? You should totally call Oh, that. yeah. The later, the better, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're drunk? Yeah, you should go over there. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I've gotten great advice over the years. But I know we, you and I have talked about this. I mm-hmm. think my biggest piece of advice for our kid is, you know, follow your, your passions, which is s- as silly as it sounds. Right. You know, I, you know, we grew up in a generation very much where our parents were like, you go to school, you get good grades, and you go get a degree in something that you can translate into a job mm-hmm. or you can make some money, you have a family, and then you die. <laughs> You know, but I do think that you should follow your passion, especially when you're younger. Yeah. It's the time to do it. And, you know, see if you can turn that into a career or a job. And, you know, obviously you have to be able to take care of yourself. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's my biggest piece of advice for young people is that, you know, take a take a gamble. Take a leap. Yeah. You know? Like, actually find something that you like. Mm-hmm. that you're good at, that you're passionate about, and follow that. And I honestly, I could care less what that is. I, I think if he has something that he enjoys and he wants to invest his time and energy into, mm-hmm. and that doesn't involve college or grad school or whatever, I think that is perfectly okay and wonderful. Yeah. And now's the time when you're young to pack yourselves like sardines in a studio apartment in New York <laughs> to follow some dream that everyone tells you is not going to happen because mm-hmm. it definitely can. Right. And it yeah. does. Or a farm in Nebraska or a, whatever I don't know, the case a lighthouse be. in wherever, like he, whatever he wants to do. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah. But yeah, that is good advice. I think. He, who knows? Maybe he won't follow it, though. Maybe he'll be like... <laughs> He's going to become an accountant. Not <laughs> to, that there's anything wrong with that. To spite us. He'll be like, this is my passion. Yeah. I love math. <laughs> I love <laughs> I love tax returns. <laughs> oh. But yeah, I mean, that would be my advice. Um, I don't know. Like, as far as general advice that I've gotten from somebody, nothing really sticks out in my head. Do you remember any advice someone's given you that you've kept this whole time over the years? I mean, and it was you go back to? 
I do. I mean, it wasn't specific to me. We had a professor in law school who was really awesome. And his advice, I think this was the end of like first semester or first year, uh, he gave the advice to all the presumably soon-to-be attorneys in the room that uh, you should guard your reputation Mm -hmm. because at the end of your life and at the end of your career and all of your endeavors to make money or to do this and do that, that's the only thing you are going to be left with, honestly, is your reputation. And that is, that is solid, yeah. great advice I go that, back I've to that, got, that I've gone back to as well. Yeah. It's like, am I going to look back at this and feel like like basically somebody giving the eulogy at my funeral mm-hmm. um, that they're going to feel, that I'm going to feel, you know, okay with? Yeah. That, I think that, that was sort yeah. of the perfect piece of advice coming out of law school for that all law school grads need. Yeah. Because you can be a successful attorney and have a bad reputation. Ah, uh, there are a lot of them. And there's them. a lot of yeah. them. And there's a lot of bad attorneys in our profession. But yeah, you got to protect your mm-hmm. um, reputation. And I think that's true just for anyone in life. It's like, yeah. it doesn't matter what your... And I don't mean reputation as in like what people think of you. I just mean like reputation as like how you're holding yourself out in the world. Um, and is that something you're proud of? Is it something that other people are going to be proud of? And um, yeah, so I think that's good advice. Yeah. Well, my mom used to say, anytime you're faced with a decision, think about the worst case scenario. And if you're willing to accept that then go ahead and make that choice. Ooh, that could be tough though. What if the worst case scenario... I don't think it was great advice, The consequences like impact someone else. It's like, what if... What if the consequences that like somebody else is going to be paralyzed? I mean, like, well, I could live with that. Yeah. It's a terrible... It wasn't really great advice, but I still think about that from time to time. And I don't think I've ever actually employed that piece of advice. No? Well, I mean, decisions are not that cut and dry. They're not that black and white, yeah, right? Yeah, I agree. So you, the fact that you can live with the worst possible scenario outcome? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Thanks, Mom, but no. <laughs> yeah, so this was our advice episode, which I thought was kind of fun and different. And it was fun. You, it required no preparation on your part, yeah, which I thought you would part. like. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to finish up on the on our last segment, which is our Everyday Answers segment. Everyday answers. Oh, you switched it up a little there. I don't. Why? What was it? What was it before? I don't know. There was just seemed like an extra syllable in there or something. Everyday answers. Um. So this is a segment where we talk about something that over the last week has answered an everyday question for us, whether it's a life hack or something we purchased or something that we learned or yeah. What do you? What have you? What say you? Oh, I um, I don't know if this is a an everyday solution. I mean, it's a it's a solution to a larger problem. Uh, certainly, but I in... got my first round vaccine shot, Moderna. Yeah, a couple of days ago. I would say that is one of the the like capital everyday answers because that is we need that to be answered. That's promptly. True. Yeah, didn't hurt. Um, a couple days feeling tired, mm-hmm. a little bit of joint aches. And then when do you go back? A couple weeks or? Moderna, you wait, I think it's 30 days. I'll okay. be going back in 30 days. I think Pfizer's two weeks. And of course, Johnson & Johnson 
There is no second shot. Yeah. My parents both got theirs. Fi- their first Pfizer, at least. So mm-hmm. that's, they're good there. So they're Pfizer's, huh? They're Pfizer's. And I'm a Moderna. So we're going to be whole little test Are subjects. we allowed to be together in the same room during <laughs> holidays? Are we gonna, is there going to be a fight going to break out? Is there a reaction? Yeah. It's like the um, West Side Story. <laughs> you start snapping. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are all are getting on your way, and I will hopefully be shortly behind mm-hmm. you. And I'm sure. And then we will, God willing, maybe we'll all be able to be in a room together one of these days. I just want to go to a movie or see a concert, maybe go out to dinner and not have to worry quite as much. Right. Yeah. I think that's fair. So what's yours? Okay. So my uh, everyday answer is going to seem real frivolous compared to uh, a vaccination against coronavirus, but um, so um, so I know I'm going to be joining the land of the living soon. So I'm trying to take care, better care of my skin because I'm going to start wearing more makeup to be out in the world. Um, something I don't really do much of in this house, working from home. So I uh, had ordered some stuff from Sephora. Um, none of that is really exciting stuff, but I got this little sample of this skin treatment and it's by Sunday Riley called Good Jeans and it had really great reviews and it's a lactic acid treatment that deeply exfoliates the dull surface of the skin for clarity, radiance, and younger looking skin and the bottle is so small on the sample that I have trouble reading the words on it Um, but it is amazing it's very uh, it's a really good like little exfoliant and I put it on last night before bed and I woke up this morning my skin felt amazing um it's super expensive it was like waking up <laughs> next to a new person next to a newborn baby yeah um it's like Benjamin Button <laughs> a real thing of this is super expensive um which is probably why it comes in this tiny little container. Are you making a podcast pitch to me to buy a tub of that stuff? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm not going to say no. What's the name brand? Maybe, uh, maybe there'll be a sponsor. Yeah, right. I don't I don't think they need us to be a sponsor. Um, Sunday, well, not with that attitude. It's called Sunday Sunday Riley. Is Sunday Riley? It. Yeah, it's called Good okay. Jeans. I think they're French. I can't read French, but... We'll, we'll take a meeting in France. You no, know, they're based out of... Brussels, Brussels, which <laughs> they tell me Tacoma. They, they well, they have a Texas hub too. They speak French in Brussels, as we know, as people who've had spaghetti in Brussels before, um, like as as one does. Well, I was in the mood for spaghetti. I mm. mean, well, that bolognese it had a it was a treat. It was different. I think they added cinnamon or something to yeah, it. Yeah, very. We should do a podcast on what dishes not to get in what country. <laughs> I got a whole list of those. But it'll take up an hour. <laughs> Um, all right. So yeah, so that's my everyday answer. Not as good as a COVID vaccine, but Well, we can't have a COVID vaccine. I'm gonna every look week. flawless. Yes. Well true. you look great. Thank you. Thank I don't you have my glasses much. on and we're somewhere far apart. So I'm very blurry. Mm-hmm. Oh nice. Mm-hmm. It's like having it It's, it's see, like a filter. Yeah, it's like an Instagram filter. Yeah. I bet you I look gorgeous. You do. You look amazing. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks everybody and hope you enjoyed our terrible Yet helpful advice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye.